All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Nation Network presents Coming In Hot with Brent Wallace. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Coming In Hot. I am your host, Brent Wallace. I was to be joined by my co-host, Bobby Ryan, as we start this new exciting venture. But Bobby called me yesterday. Uh, He's dealing with a personal family matter and needs some time. So we're going to give that to him. said, come back when you have time. In the meantime, pleased to welcome in... uh, one of the best guys on the blue line the Ottawa Senators have ever had. And he sits sixth all-time, I think, in D games played by an Ottawa Senator. Hometown guy, Jason York. Yorkie, uh, thanks for coming to the show. Welcome. Wally, thanks for having me. Uh, pleasure to be on the, I guess this is the uh, inaugural edition of Coming in Hot. So I'm pumped. And uh, anytime, buddy. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, I should also mention longtime broadcaster as well. We... I think we did a show together at least once or twice. We've hosted a game. Uh, it seems like eons ago, but uh, I've always enjoyed working with you. Yeah, I think that was in Sweden. You and I hooked up together to do the world feed when the Sens went on that trip over to Sweden. And uh, I'll never forget, I, you and I joke about this all the time. You are by far the most prepared broadcaster I've ever worked with in my life. You are like the <laughs> anal retentive broadcaster. We'll do a Saturday Night Live skit on you, buddy. <laughs> you know what? That's very fair. I have about five pages of notes for this show for today. <laughs> we'll pro- we'll nice. probably get through one. Um, so what are you up to now? Uh, well, I honestly, when I retired from the game, I went right into coaching. And I started right at the bottom. My kids were playing novice. And I basically have been coaching 
minor hockey right up to junior A. I was involved with the Kempful 73s local junior A team here for the last six years. Uh, I bought that team from Tugger. Everybody remembers Ron Tugnut, former Sens goalie. So I was doing that for five years. And this is actually the first year since I've been retired that I'm not coaching. So I'm bored as hell. I'm like sitting at home. I've uh, been watching pretty well every Sens game, which I didn't have the luxury of doing back when I was coaching. So I was busy preparing for my team. So basically uh, not a hell of a lot. Uh, both my boys are out of the house. My daughter's out of the house. So I've been going up to see my one son who plays at uh, Western U. So I'm repping the Western t-shirt today. And my uh, other son, Matthew's nice. uh, playing college hockey at Elmira College. So getting out, actually, first time in my life, probably taking a little bit of me time watching my boys play hockey and do a little bit of traveling. Perfect. Well, I'm glad you stopped by today. The other thing is um, it's always been fun to watch you play. Uh, five years as a member of the Ottawa Senators. Uh, was it tough for you to retire? Like you said, you went right into coaching, but was there ever a moment where you're like, man, do I ever miss the game? I think 13 years you played. Yeah, it was a long career, a long, tiring career. I feel it right now, man. Like, um, but everybody goes through it. Like, I don't care what anybody says. When when you retire from the game, you have some dark and lonely days. Like, because you basically go from being told what to do, when to be there, what to eat for for twenty five years of your life. All of a sudden, the lights are off. Yeah. So you just gotta you gotta pick yourself up and. The one good thing I did do, Wally, uh, my last year in Boston, I took some broadcasting courses uh, and I got on the radio right away. It was, I guess it was uh, Team 1200 back then. So I started doing some radio uh, and I got into broadcasting right away. I kept myself busy because unfortunately a lot of guys don't do stuff when they retire and then uh, it can lead to some bad things for a lot of guys. That's totally true. Uh, and we'll get into more of that as we talk with you. Uh, just want to know or let you know that uh, we have a new sponsor on board for our show, our presenting sponsor, Renfrew Tape, uh, Renfrew Pro Tape. So uh, made in Renfrew uh, in the Valley. I, I actually did a tour of their uh, facility not that long ago. They make all the tape right there. It's from scratch. It's one with the green core. That's what their slogan is going to be now. I've made it up. Um, but Yorkie, like when you – I looked at some old photos of you. Mm -hmm. You were – Black tape at the beginning, and I believe you switched to white tape near the end of your career. Is that true? Hi, Wally. Yeah, I, I was. I, guys are superstitious. I like the white tape because I could see the see the puck better on my blade. And a lot of guys will say, "Well, I need the black tape so I can disguise the puck from the goaltender." But most of my shots came from the blue line. I'm not. I'm not tricking anybody from the blue line on how I'm shooting the puck. I was. A, I was like a puck moving defenseman. I just wanted to make sure I could see the puck well on my stick. But funny, you just mentioned Renfrew. Everybody thinks tape is different or, or the same. When you, when back in the day, when we used to play and you used to go on to uh, all the road teams, they all cheaped out and they put the shitty stuff in the dressing room. We'd say, where the, where the hell's the Renfrew tape, man? And I'm not, I'm not joking. This is a real thing that used to happen in NHL rooms. They put the shitty tape in the visiting locker rooms and it would peel off your blade halfway through the game. It was brutal. That's funny. Uh, Renfrew, by the way, is the uh, inventors of shin pad tape. I didn't know this. So as you really? go to the factory and you see them making, yeah, and they're making the shin pad tape. So I'm like, 
I've gone through, I've watched them make the white and the black and make all kinds of color tape. They do the HDA tape, the Hockey Diversity Alliance tape, or they do Pride tape, all yeah. kinds. Um, so I'm watching like, this machine's got, I don't know, 30, 40 rolls of tape, clear shin pad tape. And I'm like, oh, so what's like the technical term of shin pad tape? Because that's all I call it. Thinking that they have like, oh, that's the C47. Uh, they go, it's shin pad tape, Brent. Okay. <laughs> I got it. Not nice. complicated, Wally. Nice. No, no, don't try to make it bigger than it is, Brent. Anyway, uh, go to RenfrewPro.com. They are the world leader in tape. Remember, they're the ones with the green core. Ah, welcome in. Our good friend is my first guest. Coming in hot, uh, Dave Poulin, uh, writes for the Toronto Star. He works for TSN, of course, and uh, he is a longtime NHL player, former captain of the Philadelphia Flyers. Welcome to the show, Pooley. Well, thank you very much, and congrats on the new gig. This is terrific, and uh, hey, I'm proud and honored to be uh, the first guest, or one of the first guests anyway, and uh, getting the early guy. We get the kinks worked out with the new guys, right? We get the early guys on. <laughs> I went right for the big guy right away. That's what I wanted to do. So uh, there you go. It is Halloween, and knowing that you uh, played in a different era where there was not, let's say, uh, social media along with Yorkie, uh, were the parties as good back then as they were today? In our minds, they were. <laughs> I know, as far as I know, they were. You know, it's funny because they're so public today and all the posting of pictures. And I think the sophistication of costumes is probably what separated it. For me, it was like two hours beforehand. It was like, okay, we got to go to this party. What Have you got anything for me? And, you know, it's, it's arguably the wives and the girlfriends that go to the extent here. But there seemed to be a lot of purchased gift, you know, costumes now. Whereas before, you were just digging through the closet. I mean, you were looking for whatever you could find, you know, and... and for me, my go-to was like the the tourist, uh, the tourist couple with the shorts pulled way up high and the belt and maps tucked everywhere and black horn rim glasses and because it was simple, I was I was never a mask guy. I didn't want a mask over my head, but the sophistication of what these guys go to today, and then of course the posting of it. We weren't posting. I'm sure there's pictures. We did have one year, guys, that we went way way over and above, and it was all my wife's doing. And we went as the rock band Kiss. And she did all the makeup. And I do have a picture of that. And and by the way, we were a pretty tough rock band because Craig Berube and Scott Melby were the two other guys. And and then myself and my <laughs> wife. And and it was full go and full makeup. And I, you know, you think about these things, you see the pictures that are posted today. And I saw Buddy the Elf and Brady Kachuk and just started laughing because I'm not sure anybody smiles more than Buddy the Elf. And then I thought, of course, Brady smiles more than Buddy the Elf. That's a natural, that's a no brainer. And so I'm thinking he walked in one day and his, I believe it's fiance now said, we're going as Buddy the Elf and you don't have a lot to say. And he said, great, let's go. And he played the part to the max. I, he said, I think they're planning for the next couple of years of more Will Ferrell movies because he's done a few now. Uh, I know Step Brothers with his brother. There's been a few others. Um, Yorkie, speaking of makeup, we do have a photo of you from uh, a long time ago. In fact, it's a picture of a picture because <laughs> you don't have it in a camera phone somewhere. Um, this is you and your wife, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. Wow. Not bad. Wow. Can you tell it's me, guys? Like that? Uh, no. So it, okay, so I had nothing to do with this because usually for a 
party, I'm just going to throw like a sheet over my head and go as a ghost or something. But my wife, Laurel, had this great idea. And this was back when I played for Nashville. She's like, we're going to go and go as old people. We had to spend three hours in makeup to get ready for this party. And the best part of it is that we showed up at the party and nobody knew it was us. They did such a great job on the makeup. So we were standing around, I'm drinking a beer and I get like Scott Hartnell, David Legwand. Who is that? Is that you, Yorkie? Is that you? It took people about 20 minutes. I think they just did the math and realized it was us. But this was my favorite costume at all. Same party back with Nashville. Scott Hartnell dresses up as his doppelganger, Larry Bird. No makeup needed because look at that melon. He looks exactly like Bird. And then just throw on the tidy whities there and the uh, Celtics 33. He won best costume of the party. And after that, we just re- we referred to him as the Bird Dog from then on. To this day, every time I see Hartsey, I still call him Larry Bird. That is awesome. That's that is awesome. Good. That's how long it takes me in makeup now, actually, too, Jason, is I'm about three hours at makeup every show. So it's, yeah. it's nothing new for Halloween. You know, it's funny because I think it's the timing of the Halloween party that makes it so important because you got new guys in the team. You're, you know, 10 days, 10 games into your season. You still don't know guys. And you'd think that, you know, you bring somebody in, you'd think that everybody gets to know him, but you might not sit by him in the locker room and, and you may not be on his line and he may play a different position and you just don't get a chance to know him. And, and very often it's the first social event of the year. And the first time for guys to let off a little steam and the importance of that, the bonding experience and, and let loose a little bit. And now, of course, it's taken to a whole different level with the postings on social media, which the pride factor there goes off the charts. And, but trust me, Wally, this is all about the women. They go to extreme efforts. The guys have very little to do with it. Yeah, no say whatsoever. I I agree with that statement. Uh, there is some from the sense we just talked about Buddy the Elf. There was also uh, Eric Brandstrom uh, and uh, Anton Forsberg dressed up as ABBA. And the reason I bring this up is it, uh, it, it's almost come full circle for you, Yorkie, because back in the day, your Swedish teammates, Alfie and <laughs> Arvi, Magnus Arvidsson, uh, did the same with the ABBA. Uh, do you remember this? I remember it, and I'm, I'm looking at the walls. I, I At first, when you showed me, the pick i thought it was in someone's basement because we had a few basement parties that's at a place in bell's corners no longer there it was a bar that brad marsh owned it was called the vox and i remember alfie and Harvey coming in as ava and there's therese Harvey's uh, wife and bb uh bb alfredson now that was that, that was a lot of fun but back, it was it was it was weird because obviously that was never posted because we didn't have instagram back then but uh yeah no the halloween party what was to Pooley's point? It was it was a great time of year because you had a few cocktails, you loosened up, and it really kind of set the stage for what kind of team you're going to have off the ice for the rest of the year. We're going to have a fun team, or we're going to have a pretty quiet team. But most of those early sense teams, we had a lot of fun off the ice. Well, I'm looking uh, at that picture. Alexi- I'm wondering if that's Halloween or that was just another night. <laughs> another <laughs> night. Yeah. Not just the boys dressing up on another night. The Swedes were so proud of ABBA. That might have been just an over Saturday night. Uh, it, <laughs> did did Alexi Yashin ever dress up, Yorkie? Yeah, no. Yeah, Yash always dressed up. Like, he was a very misunderstood character. 
like I sat beside Yash in the dressing room for five seasons. So I got to know him pretty good. Uh, he was a good guy, just quiet, came to all the parties, always went out, would meet us out after games. Uh, I don't think he put a lot of thought into his costumes. And he usually didn't. I don't think he had a, he didn't have a steady girlfriend at the time. I know uh, after later in his career, he started dating Carol Alt. Uh, but before then, Yash usually came solo and usually tried to convince a few guys to maybe after the party, maybe go out to the bar for a little bit. But uh, no, Yash was a good guy. Just, just very misunderstood. There's always a couple of guys, hey, Pooley on your team. People have these misperception of guys, but I, I very rarely played with guys that I would say, ah, oh, he's a bad guy. It's just, there's very few and far between in the game of hockey. Yeah, I think we're very spoiled in our sport, Jason. I really do. And, you know, I had played in Europe for a year between college and the pros. Uh, I played in Sweden. I wasn't going to play hockey coming out of college and I had an opportunity to go to Europe and play in Sweden. So I had a whole different, I think, level of understanding of the Euros in particular on how hard it was and how challenging it was. Like they're coming over here. They don't celebrate Halloween at home. And all of a sudden it's Halloween and, you know, they don't know whether you're asking them to dress up and you're setting them up or like there's no knowledge of that of that holiday. And so I was always, I always tried to have a conversation with guys early about that and my understanding. And I sat in that locker room guys and you know, they were all speaking Swedish and everybody started laughing and then they look towards you and you're like, are they laughing at me? Are they laughing in with me? And so when I'm asked about some of the euros I played with, um, I, I have a whole different, I think appreciation for how hard it is. We talk about social events, but going to the grocery store, go to the dry cleaner, all those things that we take for granted, that's a big adjustment for guys. And, and very often, as I said, Halloween was the first social event. So picture you've just come over from wherever and the first social event that you're out and able to socialize with your teammates is something called Halloween and you get dressed up. <laughs> so, you know, that can be a challenge, I'm sure. Uh, well, Halloween is full of scary people and costumes. Uh, the other night in Florida, it was scary, if you will, for the Ottawa Senators giving up a record 58 shots on goal. Uh, Pooley, I'm going to start with you. Uh, the shots are high. Scoring chances were high as well. Did Is this just something that we should expect to see from Ottawa where we talk about them not having Artem Zub, nor they have Josh Norris down the middle? and they're on the road, which they have yet to win a game on the road. Well, the first thing I do when I look at a 58 shot clock is, is you know, question the actual shot clock keeper. And there are buildings that are famous for this, Wally. In fact, sometimes it's the home goalie who likes that high shot count because his save percentage goes up. And, yeah. you know, he's not yeah. going to complain. And it's kind of funny back and forth. But that first period was totally dominant for Florida. That's a veteran team. They were all wound up. Uh, it was four o'clock game, so a little bit different starting time. And they came out storming. And by the way, Anton Forsberg was really good in that first period. But he's supposed to be good. That's, you know, your goalie's supposed to be good in a game like that. The young team hadn't woken up. 37 seconds into the second period, you get the Pinto goal, you get the second goal. And, and now all of a sudden you're in good shape. And actually you got a go-ahead goal that was called back for goalie interference. And then when you're down 3-2, you find a way to tie that game up. So the, the, the first part of your question though, Wally, are you concerned about the team defense? Of course you are. And a team with questions about the D coming in, there was so much talk about adding a fourth 
you know, a top four D that wasn't available yet. And you can't lose a top four D like Artem Zub and not be affected top pairing D because now it adjusts mm. everybody in the rotation a little bit. So your four has to go to two, you know, your six has to go to four. You're moving guys around. You're bringing a new guy in the lineup. And there's just those little adjustments that are made. But I like the fact that they haven't made a move yet on D, that they gave the group here a chance. I think one, the, the biggest beneficiary of that whole philosophy is Eric Bramstrom, who was given a chance maybe to do something he wouldn't have been had you brought somebody in initially and has looked very good. But you also want to give guys in the organization, you're a draft and develop organization. You're not going to be a huge free agent organization, you know, on an ongoing basis. You need those draft and development guys. A couple of guys in Jacob Bernard Docker and Lassie Thompson get another month in the American Hockey League to take another step. And that would be my first move. Um, and then arguably what happens around the league is I always look between the 10 and 20 game mark. What's going to become available? for a reason that you don't know about. Is somebody else going to get in a cap crunch? Is somebody going to get an injury to a key forward and they've got to replace that forward and now they're willing to move a D because a young guy's emerged. So I think it's a better shopping time from somewhere in the maybe 10, 15, 20 game mark. And you're hoping somebody comes available that, that what simply wasn't available. And you also know more about what you need because you've played some games. So, you know, you're going to run into games like you did on Saturday. You're a young team. That's going to happen early. But I thought weathering and coming back to lose a one-goal empty net game was still a, a positive sign for Ottawa. I can't believe I'm going to actually admit this, Pooley, because I'm a defenseman. The most important guy on the ice besides your goaltender is your center iceman. And when you look at the Ottawa Thank Senators you. right now, yeah, I, I'll say it right now. Pooley was a two-way centerman, so you could actually trust him when he was on the ice. Some guys, you can't say the same. If you look at the way the Ottawa Senators are built right now, and Josh Norris, their number one center, is out of the lineup, your number one centerman right now, Tim Stutzla, is 20 years old. Number two, Pinto, is 21. Kostelik, he's a 99, so I think that makes him 22. That is probably the shallowest group of center icemen in the National Hockey League as we speak today. I don't have the stats. I'm just going to take a guess at that one as far as experience and just getting around the league and, and, and figuring things out. I don't care how good you are offensively. You can't step into the NHL right away and be a great defensive player. It's, it's just too tough of a league. You can own natural skill, ability, hockey sense will get you so far, but there is – there's there's just no there's no substitute for experience and that's just something i i think people just have to pump the brakes a little bit on this senators group i know people want playoffs they want to see this team succeed i do think they will but i think there's going to be more of these than people think especially now with with josh norris who don't forget is another very young player it's just uh it's the position that you just, you can't substitute experience for. Uh, I think I think before it's all said and done with the Norris injury, we're gonna see Claude Giroux play a little bit of center. Uh, he's done it in the past. I know he's, I know he's great on face-offs, um, but uh, I, I just think it's, we're gonna see some of these nights, guys, because you have to have experience. You have to learn the league. It's too tough of a league to step in right away. Like this doesn't happen all the time where a guy like, Pinto comes in and scores six goals all of a sudden. 
I know he's talented. I know he's a great player. I love him. I think he's going to be right there for the Calder conversation. But um, there's there's going to be some growing pains. And Pooley brought up the defense. I look at the center ice position. I I, I think they're just uh, we saw what happens when one guy gets hurt. Um, it, it leaves a really big void for this group. Yeah, to your point, Jason, I was between the benches on Thursday night against Minnesota. And first off, Minnesota plays really hard. I mean, that's the hardest team on pucks on their stick that I've seen this year. And they've rebuilt that team. Billy Guerin and Dean Evison have done a great job. And, and they're 12 to $14 million under the cap for the next this year and two more years with the removal of Suter and Parisi. But the way they've constructed their team is to play hard. And so when you take a young centerman like Shane Pinto, I thought that was the least game of his season. And because it was a really hard game to play in, and it threw off the whole line. Mott wasn't as good. Matthew Joseph wasn't as good. Every puck was contested. And that Joel Erickson act, guys, he's a handful. He's a deceptively mm-hmm. big guy, strong guy, and he's nasty in the faceoff circle. And, and I think a game like that is a real learning experience for a young guy like Shane Pinto. And you're going to have nights like that. And they rely on that third line already. You can tell they trust that third line in matchup situations. And that matchup wasn't favorable for a team that plays as hard as Minnesota did. So Pinto has a ways to go. I love his upside. And, it, and this isn't about his defensive instincts because they're there. His stick is good. His positioning's good. It's just about the strength to be able to do it against a guy who's six, eight, ten years older. So, and by the way, quick math, uh, the four centers they have at the moment, Gambrell, Kastelik, uh, Stutzland, Pinto, 362 combined NHL games <laughs> of experience. Not a lot down the middle. Um, I thought you were going to ask me an age uh, question. I was going to say 22.7. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing that right, really is, fast. <laughs> is I argued when uh, Josh Norris got hurt that Shane Pinto should move up into that second line center spot because of the way he was playing. He was scoring goals on a nightly basis. I do like his defensive game, although he is obviously very young and, and inexperienced. So they put Derek Broussard there. So Pooley, I'm going to take it that you're okay with that move. And you think that the reason they did that was basically the defensive side of the game. I think there's a progression to the moves. And I think I, I'm going to give management credit, Pierre Dorian and Ryan Bonus for having options and something like this happens. Well, isn't it nice to have a 30 mid thirties, 35 year old option in Derek Broussard to plug in initially with Debrinket and Giroux. The first game he scores a big goal. And even against Minnesota guys, that line had 11 shots on net. Debrinket had seven. And so it's not only the individual play of the centerman, it's what happens to the two wingers when that centerman goes in there. And Debrinket could have won that game by himself you know, just facing off against his old teammate, Marc-Andre Fleury. And so that's the first progression. So you get two or three games out of that. And then you have the option to say, okay, we got a couple of good games out of Broussard. He, you know, fell off a little bit against Florida. Let's make another move now. Now let's put Pinto up. So that even softens the move a little bit. It wasn't the instant reaction. It was a step reaction. And, and then you put Dylan Gambrell into the, to the fourth line. That gives you more speed. It gives you more attack um, than, than Derek Broussard does. The one that's going to be a challenge for me is Mark Kostelik in the three-hole, just on experience and age. And I do like the fact that he's a big, strong guy. You can win face-offs. 
but you know, not as sound defensively yet as Pinto is, even at Pinto's age. And it's going to be an adjustment. So the first thing you say, you, you grab Tyler Mott and Matthew Joseph, say, okay, you got a young guy at center, but it's a different young guy than you just have. This one needs a little more support. Breakouts out of your end, stay a little close to him, talk to him, make sure he's below you on the breakout to the boards, all those little details. And Marcus Tellick, he's got a big challenge in front of him, guys. I, I love his upside. I like everything about his game, but that to me, out of the moves, I like the progression of Broussard first, now Pinto, Gambrell in. Costellic in that three-hole is going to be a big challenge. Yeah, no, and, and you look how that Costellic line was playing with, uh, with with Austin Watson on the right side. When, when you know exactly what your role is and Parker Kelly on the left, all we want you guys to do is get the puck, chip it in and forecheck like crazy and get us momentum on some on some offensive zone time. And DJ Smith, I, I remember listening to him was a post game. He goes, I don't care if these guys score. All I want out of these guys is momentum. And that's that's basically what you want out of your fourth hole. So all of a sudden you're on the third line. Now you gotta make some possession breakouts. Now you gotta maybe make a few more plays because you're playing with with Joseph and Maud or a couple guys off to some good starts. But uh well your question earlier I don't think I would have changed Pinto. I, I just, it was going so good for him. Like everything uh, as far as familiarity with your line mates and, and Mott and Joseph play very simple games and that was working for Pinto. So for me, if, if I'm making that decision, I'm not touching it. I'm, I'm leaving that alone. I'll roll the dice with Broussard for a while. He's a guy that has been an offensive guy. He's got some familiarity with, with, with Claude Giroux. So, um, maybe a little bit too hasty of a decision, but at the end of the day, let's not forget, they're playing the Florida Panthers. Uh, Barkoff, to me, maybe the best two-way centerman in the game, and that's a big ask. I, I don't care who you are. You play against him, shift in and shift out, he's going to wear you down, and he's just going to win most of the battles against Ottawa Senators' uh, young center ice core right now. It doesn't matter who it is. So after, on Sunday... DJ Smith, after practice, put in the old bag skate, if you will. We don't see it very often. Uh, is it an effective tool, Pooley, or is he just skating them because they're not going to skate as much on the next day and they're in Florida and they'll have a day off? Uh, or is he trying to send the message? Did we mention there was a Halloween party early in the week, Wally? <laughs> I was just trying to trying to avoid that part. The skating may have had too. as much to do with the Halloween party as exactly. it did with the Florida game. It yeah. very well might have. I think you're going to, you know, as a coach, you want to make that skate not just punishment. And the best I ever had at doing it, uncanny ability to do it, was Mike Milbury as a head coach. And I had Milbury for two years, guys. And I, I know he was maligned in his GM role in on the Allen stuff, but he was a tremendous coach for that team that we had. So we would have that skate, but we'd have it at unexpected times. And maybe that skate on the Sunday going to Florida was on the schedule before the year started. And we don't know that it was tied to the Florida game because I might look at that and say, okay, we're going to be eight or nine games in. We're going to need a really good conditioning skate. We've got, it's the first time when we go a couple of days without playing. The guys are going to be all excited to go and just even walk on a beach at this point, late October. 
So I'm going to put a real good skate in there. So that may have been the case as much as it was the play against Florida. Um, it may have been a little bit of let's get the rest of the Halloween party out of our system. And it may have been to grab their attention. So I think there can be more than one reason for a good skate like that. Yeah, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean more on the fact that the whole season now is pretty well planned to, to your point. Like these guys have sleep consultants, uh, rest management. I'm not going to say rest as a weapon. I think. <laughs> but this is, it's, it's, there's no more punishment skates. They don't work anymore. Um, what is it? Three, three days between games right now. Th this is a skate. You don't have a lot of time to get in shape and practice, especially for the guys that don't play a lot of minutes. Um, you have you need these skates and you probably won't see another one of these for a long time because the schedule is just too tough and you, you never get opportunities like this uh one quick question before i let you go Pooley, unless i come up with more is um the winning on the road for the ottawa senators they've yet to do it they go into tampa not an easy place for them to play i think they've lost now four straight oh three and one their last four visits uh if you're going to obviously make the playoffs, you got to win on the road. How hard is it for this group to win on the road with the personnel they have in the lineup? Well, it's the next step, and that's what it is. And a common growth arc of a team is to win at home first because it's more comfortable. You got people cheering for you. You know how to drive to the rink. Um, you've got the comfort of your own bed, and all those things make it better. It's a safer place to play at home and yet as a team gets better it has to learn how to win on the road obviously and even at key moments key points of the season there can be a road game that you know i mean this is a team that's been to the finals three years in a row they've won two stanley cups um this should be a real challenge game i mean this is one there's little asterisks on the calendar for me if i'm a young player and i'm going in and i'm playing against braden point and kucherov and headman and vasilevsky and and steven stamkos i mean that's a big deal and it's a big deal for them to play well. It really is. And so I think it's an important game this early in the season. And, you know, they want to get back on track and going in the right direction. And as I said, as much as it was a, a dominant game for Florida, you were still within a goal late in the game. And you battled back to 3-3. And, you know, and you, and you found a way to do that. And that's a positive. I'm taking positives out of that game, guys, as much as the shot chart was, you know, way out of whack and, and, and it was a pretty dominant Florida win. I can still draw some nice positives out of that game, but I want to roll them right into Tampa and find a way to get two points out of Tampa. I, I think there'll be a bounce back. Uh, the, the, the nice thing about young players, they got short memories. <laughs> They're on the, you, you give up 53 shots, you lose a game. Uh, a lot of those bag skates too, guys, you can have some fun out of it. And, and, and you might think I'm crazy, but you skate together as a group like that kind of bonds you it's like you finish your skate you feel great after sweat some of the booze out and then you're on to the next day and you're ready for the next game i i'm seeing a bounce back for this team uh still going to be tough uh you don't have last change and um you know that victor hedman for me guys i still think all around defenseman i don't know if there's a better guy in the league right now he's going to play upwards of 25 minutes so uh, Tim Stutzla is going to see a lot of Victor Hedman in that game. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with, with Shane Pinto on that, and that second line. And, and if they can get things going against Tampa, but uh, very good hockey team, but, but I think you're going to see a nice bounce back for the Senators. Young teams have short memories.
Puli, I lied because I have one question. Uh, and he just brought up Victor <laughs> Hedman. Going, going into that 09 draft, Victor Hedman told me, I went to Sweden to sit down with him. He goes, I should go first. He felt that he was good enough that he should be the number one overall pick. If you guys were to go back today and pick either John Tavares or Victor Hedman, does Victor Hedman go first nine times out of ten or ten times out of ten now? For me, he does. Um, I mean, in, in, you know, revisionist history, he's won two cups. Yeah. I mean, I don't, you know, I mean, he's done everything asked to him. And the defense position is so hard to fill. Now, Tavares was the first generational player in junior hockey and, and a special exemption player in junior hockey and, mm-hmm. and has had a great career. No question about it. I'm not putting down his career at all. He's been a terrific player um, for both the Islanders and the Leafs. But that being said, a generational defenseman or a generational player, man, the defensemen are hard to come by, guys. They just are, let alone, you know, um, six six and and the physical presence and the offensive side of it, the leadership side of it, everything that has grown. If you were going to do it again, I, you know, I think it's a lot of people would be very, very fine taking Victor Hedman number one. You know what my answer is, guys. I'm a, I'm a defenseman. <laughs> it's uh, it's just a no-brainer for me. It's 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 and no disrespect for Johnny Tavares, uh, great yeah. leader, great person. Had a, has had a fantastic career. Um, has he slowed down a little bit? Yeah, but like Victor Hedman for me, as much as I love Cal McCarr as a player, Victor Hedman still has a few Stanley Cups, and and uh, I, I know I know McCarr has one, and he's a great player, but I, I'm a big Victor Hedman guy. I saw what he did to Mitch Marner in the playoffs last year. He was like a little kid playing against Victor Hedman. He just this guy does so many things. Unquestioned, he's he's my number one pick, and I think if you pooled most people, it'd be ninety nine percent people would say Victor Hedman. And Brent, when I'm asked that question, when I'm asked that question, you know, I coached for ten years, albeit at the college level, and I think of myself behind the bench. I think of any situation in a game, and looking down to that end and seeing number seventy seven, and saying, "Get out there!" Like. Like that to me, now you're putting your job, your career on the line. Who are you putting out on the ice in that situation? Boy, oh boy, you'd love to have that option, wouldn't you? Yeah. What a, what a, a phenomenal hockey player, but a really good guy. I'll, one day I'll tell the story with it. I, when I went to meet him for his draft, uh, he took me around <laughs> uh, Sweden. He was very, very good to me. Um, Pooley, you are our number one pick for sure. So we uh, appreciate you stopping by. It's nice to see you. So I uh, appreciate all the work you do. And for you to jump on today, I much appreciate it. Good luck with everything, guys. This will be great. And uh, I look forward to rejoining you at some point. As always, thank you very much to Dave Poulin. Uh, always great to have him stop by. Uh, Yorkie, last question I got for you. You played with some really tough coaches like uh, Ron Wilson, uh, Oh, uh, Scotty Bowman, uh, Brian Murray was another, like, did you have a lot of bag skates? Were those guys really tough on you back then? Worst bag skate I've ever had in my life, Scotty Bowman. And, and to this day, Wally, I have no idea why it happened. It was early in the season in Detroit. We did the old uh, blue line back, red line back, blue line back, other end and back. Four groups were going. For some reason, Bowman puts me with every single group. 
I get off the ice, reporters are waiting. I can barely stand up. I'm exhausted. It's like we're three weeks into the season in Detroit. A reporter says to me, he goes, Jason, what did you do? Did you miss curfew? I'm like, no. Uh, did, were you in trouble in video meeting? I'm like, no. I finally said, well, why did you skate? And I'm like, I have no idea. And to this day, Wally, I have no idea why I got skated, but that's Scotty Bowman, right? He's like, he, that was a, like a, that's a Scotty thing. He just does like, one of these times, Wally, I'm going to sit down. We could do a whole show on Scotty Bowman and the weird, wild stuff he would do in practice. Just a bizarre cat. But yeah, that was, uh, it was my own personal bag skate that I got compliments to Scotty Bowman. And still to this day, I have no no idea why I got skated. It's it's, it's uh, one of the That's mysteries classic. of the world. Um, well, I'll leave it at that. We'll uh, we'll be back on Tuesday, uh, 3 p.m. live for our YouTube live show. We'll encourage you to join in, uh, ask questions. The chat will be open. Uh, but for now, the show, by the way, brought to you by Renfrew Tape, Renfrew Pro Tape. Go to RenfrewPro.com. Uh, they are the worldwide leader in tape. They are the ones with the green core. That is it for today's show, Yorkie. Appreciate it. Uh, we will see you next time on Coming In Hot. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.